Welcome back, Missio family. Today, we get to hear from Chris Gorman, a member of the NAB, speak about Psalm 23. If you have any questions about Missio, you'd like to join a missional community, or you have any prayer requests, please contact us at missio.life. Uh, we have a special treat today. We have a, a guest speaker with us. Um, so we talk about the North American Baptist Conference that we're a part of, and some of you have heard Randy Jasper speak, who's our regional minister, or Stu Streeter was here not too long ago from the NAB International Office. And so we have another friend of the NAB uh, who was here in town doing some speaking at Crystal Springs yesterday. Uh, I met Chris Gorman, I, was that about three years ago? I want to say it was 2019, because it was right before covid and we were in a, a program called Blue Ocean, and it's really um, kind of exploring what missional ministry looks like. And so we met through Blue, Blue Ocean, and I just immediately had a ton of respect for Chris, heard him share, and just his stories. I'm like, man, this guy gets it. So when I heard that he was in town and there was a chance that he would come and share with us, I, I snatched him up. So we got Chris, and there's other NAB churches that maybe could have got him, but we got him. So uh, would you join me in welcoming Chris to the platform? Well, good morning. It's great to be here with you. Uh, man, it, it's, uh, it's been a treat. It, I, I, I'm not a fan of the weather, however. Just want to say that right off the bat. I, I was in South Dakota for 20-some years, uh, planted a church in, near Sioux Falls. And, uh, but uh, back in 2016, my wife and I moved to uh, Lacey, Washington. We lived just south of, uh, by, by Olympia, Lacey, Olympia area, just south of Seattle. And we've been there since 2016. And uh, when I left, when I flew out here on Friday, it was 45 when I went to the airport that morning and I was so cold. And then I got off of the plane here and I thought, oh, now I'm, I'm remembering. I'm remembering what it was like for 20 years in South Dakota. And so it was very chilly this morning uh, as I was coming here, but really good, glad to be here and worship with you. Um, so I, uh, just to give you a little bit of background, so I'm, I'm uh, married to my wife, Christy, uh, 31 years, and uh, we both are turned 51 this year, so we're kind of, kind of in this transition. I have a 22-year-old son, uh, Jaden, a 20-year-old daughter, Grace, and an 18-year-old son who is uh, in his senior year, so um, they are all leaving me this year. My son moves out November 1st, my daughter gets married at the first of the year, and my son leaves in September, and so they're all out of my house, so we're going to be empty nesters all at once, uh, and so that's kind of the transition in our lives, but... Uh, I've been, uh, been in pastoral, pastoral ministry for about 28 years prior to uh, what I do now. Uh, a couple years ago, God moved my wife and I's heart, actually had begun moving our hearts uh, for probably five or six years um, into, uh, it's hard to even, how do I describe it? Um, basically, uh, it, I, I became a chaplain at Lacey Fire Department uh, in Lacey Olympia there, and uh, God, God did that through some crazy circumstances, through a tragic death that I got involved in, and uh, all of a sudden I became a chaplain, went to training, and began to work with the fire department there, and found myself standing in people's living rooms, and getting to care for them in the midst of their worst days, and God just began to open up doors through that that I never imagined, and my heart, honestly, um, 
So it's always weird when people ask, how do you like your job? You know, it's like, well, I, I'm with people every week who are in, the, in their worst day. And that, that's what me and my team get to do all the time. But, but it's amazing in those moments what God does and just the friendships even that I've, I've made through death and trauma and get to do a lot of funerals. So now I, I, do more, I preach more at funerals than I get to do this kind of stuff. So, um, but uh, I also get to sit when I do those funerals in people's living rooms and listen to their family's story and get to know their loved ones. And God is just, uh, just opening up so many doors to just be really truly the presence of God in these people's lives. And so that's what I do now. So I'm, uh, two years ago, God, uh, our chief, my chief asked uh, if uh, maybe I should just have an office in the, in the station. And so they asked if I would apply for a job there. We created something called support services. And so now I'm the, uh, so I went from youth pastor to church plant pastor to regional minister. And now I'm the director of support services at Lacey Fire in Lacey, Washington. And, uh, and it's just been incredible. And so so that's what I do now. I deal with death and trauma and get to teach, uh, work with our first responders when they go through hard things and care for their families. I get to do everything I did as a pastor. I just uh, get to do it at the fire department. I get to teach marriage classes and um, work with their kids. And so it's pretty, pretty incredible. So in, in this role that God has called me into, um, in fact, by the way, um, many, many times uh, people have called me, I have a lot of friends in the NAB, they call me up and say, Chris, I can't believe you're out of ministry. You're leaving ministry. And uh, which kind of started making me mad <laughs> because uh, um, I've, re- I've found the last couple of years, I, th- I feel like I've done enough ministry to cover all the 28 years uh, that I had done previous. Uh, and every week I feel like it's just, the way God just keeps putting things in front of us. Um, but in this role of, of being a, a chaplain slash mental health professional slash crisis responder, it's a whole wide range of social worker, I get to do all these things. Uh, in this role... Um, one of the verses of scripture that I use, one of the passages of scripture that, that for some reason just rolls off of my tongue almost on a weekly basis in circumstances with people is Psalm 23. And uh, for whatever reason, it just comes to me. And so uh, I realized after uh, you know, giving messages for all those years, uh, I had never done a message on Psalm 23 ever. Um, and it's, it's probably the most known psalm uh, in the Bible, uh, possibly, and known to people who are uh, outside of uh, any kind of uh, church circle at all, uh, because it's been said at, at funerals and memorial services for years. People, people know this psalm, even if they are not connected at all to faith. And so, so I decided uh, that uh, it would be good to do a message on this, actually, after all these sermons. And so, so I'm going to do that today. I was actually sitting at this place right here this last summer, uh, this is uh, Spearfish, South Dakota. Uh, my wife and I went on a couple-week trip, and we went and visited friends, and these are some really good friends of ours who unfortunately weren't at their house, but they let us use their house for a couple days, and we sat here, and I, I decided as I was sitting here to, uh, to just open up to Psalm 23, because I say it all the time, and I thought, I'll just open, I'm going to use this as my trip just to kind of, this was the kickoff of our trip. We landed here, and, and uh, I'm sitting on this porch every morning, several mornings, and just, uh, just praying and going through Psalm 23, and, uh, and it just, uh, it, it was a beautiful time, obviously a beautiful place. There's also a, a creek running off to the left over here. You can't see. There's some cattle out in the pasture also to the left, and the mountains are actually kind of behind us, and it's just a beautiful place. But I, I sat about and thought about this psalm, and so today I'm going to take us through just a, just a, a psalm that is very well known, uh, but one that I think, uh, I hope anyway, it will just encourage and comfort each of you here this morning as it has in my own life and as it's comforted 
countless thousands upon thousands of peoples over, over the course of years and centuries. Um, and so one of the things about this passage that uh, is, is interesting, so David, it's a Psalm of David, and he's reflecting um, on his relationship with God. And in that reflection, as he's thinking about his relationship with God and he's writing this, this psalm, he's comparing it or thinking about it in terms of a shepherd and the sheep. And, and so he's, he's having this picture, obviously, this is the picture that Psalm 23 paints of a shepherd and his sheep. And what's interesting about that picture is that when you think about God being the, sh- the good shepherd in this story, in this, in this, this psalm, um, a shepherd was not a high position in their day. In fact, it was one of the lowliest positions in their day. So just think about that alone, that David is reflecting on his relationship with God. In fact, this psalm is one that's going to be deeply personal, as you'll see here. There's a lot of I, me, and my in this psalm. It is him deeply reflecting personally about his walk with God, and he's thinking about God as being a shepherd. And so a shepherd was reserved in those days as the the role for the lowliest of people. In fact, most of the time, it was the youngest son or kid in the family that would actually get, get relegated to go out and hang out with the sheep and do the shepherding. It wasn't the, wasn't the corner job, you know, the job with the corner office and the windows uh, on the 10th floor. It was, uh, it was a very lowly job. And the shepherd, it was also a lonely job. The shepherd was often out amongst the sheep, living with them, being with the sheep. He knows the sheep. He got to know them very well, and the sheep would know him. And, uh, and so that's, that's the reflection that David is having. He was, if you remember, he was the youngest son. And if you remember in 1 Samuel, when, uh, when Samuel's supposed to, God tells Samuel to appoint a king, they brought out all of Jesse's sons, you remember, and all these handsome, strong young men, and they come out there, and he's supposed to find a king amongst them, and God says, no, the, none of these are it. Don't you have, do you have another son? Is there someone else? And Jesse says, well, there, there is the, the one son. You know, he's out, out in the field with the sheep. And so... God says, well, let's wait. <laughs> so they wait. They wait and go get David. And God says, that's the one. It's, it's, it's him. And he anoints him as king. In fact, David was described, I believe, in that text as uh, a ruddy little shepherd boy um, with, with somewhat handsome features, <laughs> if you can imagine. And so that's David's reflection. He was the shepherd out with the sheep, living amongst the sheep, taking care of the sheep, and so in this psalm, this is why he is reflecting on this. In fact, this psalm, if you can imagine this as we go through it, is a psalm that is actually pointing us to the, the good shepherd, which is Jesus in the New Testament, right? Jesus is considered to be the good shepherd of the sheep. The sheep know him and he knows his sheep and he calls them out one by one. And that's the picture we have here. I love what one pastor said about this psalm. He said that this psalm has calmed more griefs than all the philosophies of the world. It has comforted many struggling with dark thoughts, deep doubts, and difficult sorrows. It has comforted the poor. It has given courage to the fearful. It has been a healing balm and a salve of consolation for the sick, the captive, and for widows and orphans and for the lonely. And he says this, he says, and dying soldiers have died easier on the battlefield as this psalm was being read to them by the chaplain. Psalm 23 is a psalm uh, that situates us in in a very deeply personal way with God. Uh, But let me just pause before we read it here. I I want us to think about where we're at today first. 
It's good for us to sort of picture ourselves. Where are we today as we think about this psalm, we think about the words of David and how these things apply to you and how they are a comfort to you? What are the things going on in your life personally this past week or this last month or this past year? What are the, what are the hurts and the difficulties and the struggles and even the joys and the sorrows and all of the things that are going on? But maybe even today there are things that are unsettled in your life. There are struggles that you're going through. This past week, I'll, I'll make it personal for myself. This past week, uh, every once in a while when you respond to a lot of crisis in your own community that you live in, um, you respond to people that you know. And we've had a lot of difficult tragedies, including um, one of the most difficult things that has shaped me and my family was my son lost a very, very close friend of his in high school uh, immediately after my son's grad party. They had all went to the lake and he uh, had, a, had a heart cardiac event while he was swimming across the lake and his friend who was the captain of the football team with my son uh, died and drowned in the lake that day and that that shaped so much of what has gone on in my family in the last three years and so this past week we uh, we were actually just talking about that whole event with Max and that was my son's friend's name and and um, and there was an accident that happened right close to my house and once again um, 22-year-old boy was killed, and it was one of my son's friends in high school, somebody he hadn't stayed in touch with. And so as I'm reflecting on this psalm this week, I'm thinking about Omar's family, thinking about Damien, and thinking about just the the difficulty of now one one boy is going to be charged with vehicular manslaughter, and another boy, his best friend, is, is dead and gone. And the grief of these two families that live kind of on either side of my house, uh, kind of our neighborhoods, a neighbor, neighborhood over this way and a neighborhood over that way. And so for, for me, uh, this is quite personal. And as we think about the, the trying to learn to trust the Good Shepherd, to trust God and to, to lean into uh, the, the very presence and comforting presence of God. And so I don't know where you're at, how personal this is today to you, but uh, whatever you're going through, whatever struggles you have, may these words be, as that pastor said, like a, a healing balm, a salve that apply, is applied to a wounded heart, that God would just comfort and bless you and just help you be able to rest squarely in his presence uh, and to know of, of his goodness in your life, even in the valley of the shadow of death that we're going to see here today. So with that, let me read this psalm. I'm just going to say it. Um, this Psalm 23. So just, just, just listen to the words today. May it just be received as, uh, as from God to you uh, in a very personal way that you would experience his goodness today. Listen to these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and he restores my soul. And he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows for surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Lord, would you cause these words to encourage and strengthen your church here at Missio today?
may we walk away from here um, blessed, not, not because of things that I say, but God, because of your very presence here through this moment, that you would truly heal and help and strengthen each of our souls today. And we ask this in your name. Amen. When thinking about this psalm, there is one thing before we dive into the text we got to actually clear up. This is an age-old, centuries-old problem or thing that we've thought about, so we're going to solve it today, right? So this is, put this to rest. Um, sheep are not dumb. All right, I'm just saying. Uh, for years, uh, I've even found myself in years past saying this, but we say, uh, we would say, well, you know, when Jesus, when, when the Bible compares us to sheep, you know, in need of a shepherd, it's because sheep are really stupid animals, right? And, uh, but actual scientific, because we have nothing better to do with our money, scientific research has shown that's actually not true. Uh, sheep are not dumb. Sheep are extremely communal animals. They, they, there's, there's a reason why they hang out in a flock, I don't know if you've known, but sheep don't have a lot of ways to defend themselves, <laughs> right? They, they, don't, they don't have, uh, they're not ferocious animals that can somehow fight off the lion and the bear, right? Uh, and so one of, the ways, one of the things that sheep instinctively know is that they, their strength in numbers. They know that they have to, in order to be safe, they have to be in community. They have to be amongst the flock, and sheep know this, and the way that they know their flock versus some other flock is because sheep have an incredible sense of smell. They can tell that this is their flock. They also can tell that that's their shepherd. You can blindfold a sheep, and they will pick out their shepherd every single time. They've done studies on this because they know their shepherd. And, and so within that big flock... They're, they even have an inner circle of, of sheep that they hang out with. It's really crazy. So within a huge flock of sheep, they, they have like a smaller little group of sheep that's kind of like, these are my people, then these are my people, right? Kind of thing. And they know that, again, through smell and scent, all right? So, so this, is, this is, sheep are smart in that they know that if they do not stick together, they will not be safe. Sheep also know that when they feel sick, they know which plant to go find and eat that will actually help them heal or recover from different illnesses. It's crazy. They have vision. that Their peripheral vision is like between 270 to 320 degrees. Ours is, a human beings is about 180. So they have incredible vision. They can see incredibly well. So sheep are not dumb animals. Um, they're just dependent animals. There's a difference between being stupid <laughs> and being dependent. And so when the Bible compares us to sheep, it's talking about a people who, who need to belong to a people, and inside that people need to belong to some people, but they're also talking about those people need a shepherd. We, they're dependent upon the shepherd to lead them and to guide them and to provide for them and to watch out for them. And this is the picture the Bible, wants, I, I believe, wants us to see when it talks about God being the shepherd, the good shepherd, and us being the sheep. 
that it's not as though, in fact, it's even true that we would say, well, sheep would, they always wandering off, you know, always going out there, getting in trouble, right? They go astray. We, we know the verse, Isaiah 53, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him. You know, that, that whole passage, we all like sheep have gone astray. But the interesting thing is, why do sheep go astray? It's not always, it, we sometimes go astray for these reasons, but sheep don't always go astray because they're just like rebellious and like, well, I'm gonna leave the flock and go over here and hang out in the rocks, you know? Like, that's not what happens. They, they go astray often, they get lost oftentimes because they're enjoying the, the eating of good grass, for instance, and the, or they're pursuing that one plant to get their stomach to feel better, and as they're looking for it, they get lost with where they're at, and pretty soon they look up and everybody's gone and they don't know where they're at. That's often how sheep get lost. It's not simply because they decide, because they know better than to leave the flock. It's often other circumstances that are somewhat, you know, just they're looking for something else or they get caught up in what they're doing and, and the, the flock walks away. And so, so sheep are not dumb, but they do need, they do need a shepherd. In fact, we, uh, this next slide here, this is our, we did our own scientific study this last summer. When we were in Kansas, we went to my family, my wife's family farm, and this is Maylee, my niece. She is the cutest thing uh, that you will ever see, and she, she, this is her little lamb. We pull up in the yard of the, the farm, and this little lamb comes out and greets us. It's, it's just a pet running around the, the farm like, like a dog, and, and uh, the, we're, we're thinking, oh, this is really cute and cool, and as soon as Maylee came running out of the house, that, that little lamb left us and just dashed right to Maylee. Because Maylee's the one who's raised this, is raising this little sheep, this little lamb, and she feeds it, she takes care of it, and that little lamb knows wherever Maylee goes, that's where the lamb goes, and just follows her around. She won grand champion at the county fair uh, with this little lamb after we left. And so that was our own little scientific study, just to prove that it's true, that the little lamb knows exactly who, she belong, who it belongs to and who takes care of her. And so... We turn now to, uh, to the text here um, as sheep who are dependent upon a shepherd. The Bible, this, the, the, the text just starts off and there's like three different things that we find here about the shepherd. The first one is that the good shepherd provides. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Think about that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want or be in want, or be left wanting. What does that actually mean? Like for real. Think about how radical that sounds. Is it just that because the Lord's my shepherd, I don't have any wants? I got everything I need, everything's good. I don't know about you, when I, when I was studying this text, it's funny how many times you can quote a passage of scripture and you miss something. For years and years, this passage, I'm like, it, it, when I was thinking about this, it caught, it, I had to pause and go, what in the world? Because I don't know about you, but I still have a lot of wants. Don't you? I, I have a lot of things that I want. I desire a lot of things. In fact, I want a lot of things that are really good. Don't you? Like, are there things in your life that you want still even knowing that, that, there, that there's this good shepherd who provides for your needs, isn't, aren't there still moments where you're like, what the heck? I, I want things, for instance, for some of the people that I serve and some of the situations I serve. I want people whose lives are broken and destroyed by grief and sorrow and addiction and difficulties and financial ruin. I, I want their lives to be made whole. 
right? I, I, want, I want really good things. I want my kids to do well in life. I want, them, I want things to go well with them. I want these things, right? But as you know, and I know, our lived experiences is that just because I want something doesn't always mean that happens and doesn't happen in my way and in my time, right? And, and so there's a lot of things that I find myself wanting, and yet I don't have it right now. It's not happening when I want it, how I want it, in the manner with which I want it. And so what does it mean to simply say this blanket statement, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's all good, right? Lord's my shepherd, it's all good. It means, I think, two things, possibly. It's first a declaration, just simply to say that that the good shepherd provides all my needs. But at the same time, it's a decision to say, I'm I'm going to decide not to want more than the Lord my shepherd has provided for me. So in any given moment, I'm gonna be content with what God has provided for me in this moment. I'm gonna be satisfied with that and I'm not gonna desire more than what he has for me right now. I'm just gonna be thankful in this right now and know that tomorrow, he's the shepherd. He will provide what I need for that day. Does that make any sense at all? It somewhat makes sense of this really bold statement The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He goes on to talk about both physical and spiritual provisions. He says he makes me lie down in green pastures, which both both represents nourishment, but also uh, literally to lie down in the soft green grass that that God, the good shepherd, provides green pastures for them to, to graze in and to sleep in. It's soft, it's good. He leads them beside quiet waters. Um... If a lamb actually, when they have their full wool on, gets wet, they, uh, they, they, I think they go about two to three times more than their actual weight. Uh, sheep don't swim, <laughs> in other words. And so when it says that the shepherd leads them beside still waters, it's a good shepherd would take the sheep to find some, a, a good drink of water, not to the you know, class five rapids, you know, so that if they fell in, they're toast. He would take them to the, the nice calm part of the river where they could actually get a drink and be safe. And so the good shepherd provides for them physically. He provides for them spiritually, it says here. He restores my soul, which I think is a picture here of rescue, right? That he restores their, our souls. He, he rescues us. He leads us back at times. When we do stray off, he's restoring us back. He rescues the lost. When the, per, the sheep gets, gets lost in the midst of the green grass or looking for that medicine plant or whatever it might be, the, sh- the good shepherd brings them back. He restores them. He's always looking out for them. He leads me in paths of righteousness. That also sounds really great, right? In paths of righteousness. It sounds like a really great path, right? Like this just like this nice straight path to to really good things. But I I think this psalm is gonna tell us what that path is for. He says he leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. In other words, the path that God leads us in is so that we will bear witness to him and to his goodness and to his greatness and his grace in our lives. But what does that path look like? I I think the next verse gives us a picture. He says, and even though this path of righteousness, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. A shadow is something that represents the real thing, right? 
When you see the shadow, you know that the real thing is, is there. And so he's describing this journey that they're on, and, and this would be the path of righteousness. This journey that they're on is a journey in which there's the dangers, there's dangers all around. The, the valley of the shadow of death, it's lurking. We know it's there. We know that there's all these possibilities of destruction and difficulties and problems in our life. It's always sort of lurking over us, and we're walking with the good shepherd. He's leading us through this valley of the shadow of death. It's always looming, destruction, possibilities. And yet, he says, even though I walk through this valley of the shadow of death, where there's always possibilities of problems, I will fear no evil. And why would I fear no evil? It's for you, my the good shepherd is with me. You are with me. Think about this. The, the shepherd's presence did not eliminate the presence of evil. It doesn't mean simply because the shepherd is guiding and leading us that somehow the presence of the, the possibility of problems and difficulties is somehow gone. It doesn't eliminate the presence of these things, but it certainly takes away the fear of them. As we learn to trust the good shepherd and his leading and his guiding and the path that he has us on, he, he removes the fear of that because he is with us. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff, I think people debate this, it's the same thing. It has two purposes. The rod of the, the shepherd's crook, you know, the, 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 the rod part of it was there to protect and to, for the shepherd to fight off the enemies, but also to, to help guide the sheep. And the crook of it was there in case the shepherd had to rescue one of the sheep and pull them up from some, some, uh, from some ledge that they maybe have fallen into or some crevice or whatever it might be, but the crook was there to sort of help bring them back. And so this rod is a, listen to me, he says, the rod and your staff, they comfort me. Like this, this rod wasn't something that was seen as bad. It was actually seen as something that, that helped guide the sheep and protect the sheep and pull the sheep out of danger. And it was seen as a comfort to, to him that God was with them. And then he says this beautiful thing, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I love this. Think about, I'm thinking about this, they're in the valley of the shadow of death, there's, there's dangers, there's wolves all around, there's dangers happening, uh, they're going through this lush valley, but there's all these possibilities of problems, and in the middle of the lush valley, there's just like a banquet table. Enemies lurking, and here are the shepherd's sheep, here's God's people just sitting at this banquet where God is just lavishly providing for their every need, taking care of them, giving them what they need this beautiful laid out banquet, even in the presence of our enemies. I love this. Uh, one person said it this way, the goodness and care suggests by the prepared table that is set in the midst of the presence of evils, that, that God's goodness is actually seen by the fact that it's actually set in the midst of the presence of enemies and that, that the presence of these enemies enables us to experience God's goodness even in their midst. So even in the midst of problems and difficulties and darkness and struggles, God allows us to experience his goodness in the midst of those things, not by their removal or the absence of them. This is our experience in life, right? Difficulties happen. We, we, we don't simply experience God's presence by having them removed, but in the midst of whatever we're going through, God is there with us and he gives us strength. It, in fact, it's in those moments that we testify most often to our neighbors and friends of the goodness of God. 
as he provides for us in difficulties. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. The sense of, uh, the, the idea of the anointing the head with oil is that, that the shepherd was actually honoring the sheep. God is actually placing honor. When you would walk into a house, you would often have oil put on your head and your feet would be washed as a way of honoring the guests. And so God is, in this instance, is the, the host and he's honoring the guests, which is his sheep, us. And so, and it says, my cup overflows. It was the cup, the shepherd's cup was usually what would, if he would draw water, would be that which would take care of the sheep. And the cup overflows. God has a bountiful amount of goodness. Lastly, he says, the shepherd preserves. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I love that phrase. The goodness and mercy of God actually follows you. I can imagine God sort of chasing you down, like going after you. He's, he desires so much for you and I to experience his comforting presence and his goodness, even in the midst of enemies and struggles, that he's following after us, seeking to give us what we need to make it through the difficult moments of our lives. And he says that this is something that happens all of the days of our life. So as you go about your week, whatever you're facing, whatever you're struggling with, just imagine that God is chasing after you and he's seeking to pour out his goodness on you all the time. He is, he is seeking to bless you with his presence and his provisions. He's taking care of you even as danger lurks all the days of your life. And then he says, we see an eternal thing here. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's the hope, right? That, that we will never, ever have a time in which we will not be in the very presence of God. That at the end of these days, this psalm in fact pictures the fact that God takes care of us both in life, through all of the difficulties and the valleys and all the problems that may face us, but he also takes care of us in death. That we will, and we have this promise, that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, having all of our needs met perfectly. And in, those, in that moment, we will have no more needs. We will truly be those who have no wants in that moment, face to face with our Savior. So I don't know what you're facing this morning. I don't know what those things are for you. But I pray um, that you as well as David could say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want and he makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters and he restores my soul. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me and your rod and your staff that comfort me and you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows for surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen, let's pray. God, would you encourage and strengthen your church this morning? Would you bless them? Help them to just experience your very presence and your goodness in their lives. Thank you for all that you have done for us. Thank you for ultimately this picture of the good shepherd, which ultimately is Jesus. He is the good shepherd of the sheep. And his sheep know him and he knows them and they will come to him. And so Lord, I just thank you for, for being so good to us and watching over us uh, in life and ultimately in death. In your name we pray. Thanks for joining us, Missio family. We'll see you again next week.